When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, a very good evening, everyone. Welcome to Drive on this Wednesday. A bit quieter around the precinct now as it uh, was this time last night as the Sri Lankan and Australian supporters were filing down towards Optus Stadium for the match last night. Well done by Australia. One by seven wickets, uh, 21 balls left. At one stage, it looked pretty shaky, didn't it? Sri Lanka, six for 157. Australia ended up at three for 158. Uh, Aaron Finch, the skipper, scratched around for 31 of 42 balls. But it was all Marcus Stoinis last night. Let's just relive some of those moments. 59 runs of only 18 balls. Stoinis on strike. And he stands and says, get it out of here. Clears the fence. 12 rows back. Has a ring up. He bowls again. Stoinis says, I'm going to go again. Same spot, same result. Six more. Huge over for Marcus Stoinis in Australia. Stoinis, has he got enough of it? He has. He's cleared the rope again. And he's pumped. He's pumped his Marcus Stoinis. He's got himself to 40 or 14 balls. Stoinis, this time over. Cover for another six. He's putting on a show. In his hometown. And there it is. 25 rows back. Stoinis brings up 50. Raises the bats. And has smashed Australia to the step of victory. Stoinis on strike. Stands. Delivers. And he's cleared the fence again. 59 off 18. Ronnie actually said to have a look against the quicks because it was it was actually doing a bit. Um, and if I feel comfortable, then to have a go at the spinners. Once I got in, yeah, that was it, the plan was to just keep going. To be honest, I was really nervous today, being at home um, in Perth, a lot of family and friends here. So, yeah, I was really nervous going into it, but um, really happy that we ended up putting on a bit of a clinic there. Yeah, good to see family and friends there. I actually went to school with his mother. So there you go. And no Faye, whose mother would be very, very proud of what Marcus uh, did last night. Well done. And here at Optus Stadium, as he said, in front of family and friends. Australia winning by seven wickets, uh, 21 balls left. The big thing now is what happened earlier today. Rain and a wobbly start from England has handed Ireland a famous T20 World Cup triumph at the MCG by five runs under the Duckworth-Lewis system. For just the third time in their history, following two ODI triumphs, the Irish would you believe, managed to take down their rivals in a major boil-over that will shape now the group that also includes Australia. England started their chase fairly poorly. At one stage, they were three for 29 in the sixth over, chasing a pretty healthy target put together by the Irish of 158. And while they began to recover in the middle order, the pace was not quick enough because when rain forced a stoppage of play, they were five for 105 Five runs behind the DLS par score with 14.3 overs gone. So and now it all sets it up. England's loss opens the door for Australia following their opening smashing 
at the hands of New Zealand to still advance from the 16 group. Now, this is how it plays out. So Friday night's clash between the Ashes rivals into a virtual World Cup elimination match, given 4-1 record is typically needed to be one of the top two teams. As we know, England and Australia are both now sitting on one-on-one. Now, the win was Ireland's first in the Super 12 or 10 or 8 stage of the T20 World Cup. So well done to them. And the big uh, story from an Australian bowling perspective is WA all-rounder Ashton Agar because he made the most of his late call-up in last night's match, but he doesn't think he'll feature in the Friday night blockbuster against England. The left armour was arguably, I thought, last night Australia's most consistent bowler in his first game of the tournament after coming in for leg spinner Adam Zampa, who, as we know, tested positive to COVID after arriving here in Perth. Now, Agar only went for one boundary across the four overs, finishing with one for 25, and it was a very good performance. But uh, the 29-year-old, who was Australia's T20 player of the year two seasons ago, expects to make way for Zampa uh, against the Poms at the MCG and become uh, used to being in and out of the side. Well, aren't you as good as your last performance? Ashton Agar's last performance last night was outstanding. Keep him in. Keep him in because you'll do the job. Come and join us anytime on the Temperate Bedshed text machine. The, the number, you know it well, 0487 736 736. Bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. You can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au or you can jump on the Scarborough Toyota open line. Call 13 12 55. Ben Dalglish and the team are there. And, of course, they buy and service all makes and models. Just before we leave the cricket, we've got a good show coming up tonight. We're speaking to Holly Furling, who is part of the WBBL, the Perth Scorchers. She's an outstanding Australian professional cricketer. Uh, She's played for the national team. She's been around now for a decade and she was one of the big recruits in the off-season for the Perth Scorchers. So we'll speak to Holly Furling a bit later on. And also later in the program, we'll touch in with Brett uh, Phillips, our SEN tennis correspondent. I haven't spoken to Brett for a little while, but there's plenty bubbling around in the tennis world. Serena Williams, honestly, will she come out of retirement? I also read that Tom Brady, the man that's retired and had that many comebacks is ridiculous, is contemplating that he might retire again come mid-NFL season because he's got a few issues to sort out, namely one allegedly with his wife because they're going separate ways. But anyway, Serena Williams, will she come back? I'll speak to Brett about that. Simona Halep, of course, at the moment under investigation for a doping scandal. Speak to her about that. And Novak Djokovic, about this time last year, it started bubbling, didn't it? It was a different world, particularly in Melbourne with COVID and whether... Novak Djokovic, the world number one, would be permitted to come into Australia after, of course, saying that he didn't want to get vaccinated. Now, the word is that Novak is planning to come down here for 2023. And there were plenty of other tennis talking points as well. We'll speak to Brett Phillips uh, a bit later on in the program. So, as you can see, a big show coming up. Love you to join us. And as we go to the break, uh, here is Aaron Finch the Australian uh, T20 captain. Of course, his final tournament before handing over the uh, the captaincy. This is what he had to say after the win last night. Yeah, very happy. Obviously, my innings was 
unusual. It was poor. I just couldn't hit the, hit the ball. But thought the way that we approached it with the bat was fine. Uh, we knew that the first four or five overs with the ball, especially with Kamara nipping it around, it was, it was seeming a long way there. So if we could get through that one or none down, that it was going to be really important to set up the back end of the innings. And um, it would have been nice if I, I could have kicked on earlier and, and made that chase a bit, a bit easier. But all in all, pretty clinical, I think, um, with the ball as well. Benchy, what about Stoinis? What about, I mean, just comes out... It was 59 off 18 balls. What did he have for breakfast? Don't know, but it was pretty special innings. So come out with that intent, I think, is, is the main thing. When when you walk out to bat and you have that presence at the crease, that's half the battle in, in T20 cricket. And when you've got the skill and the strength that he's got, it, it's a pretty good combo. The English, MCG, yep. big event. Yeah, it's always a great event, regardless, like any format of the game, anywhere in the world. Pretty special. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Yes, it's coming up 13 past five and this is uh, Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Bit of a shock actually the other night uh, seeing uh, the uh, Perth Scorchers go down in the WBBL match to the Sydney Thunder, who previously hadn't won and the Scorchers hadn't lost, but uh, that's that's cricket for you. Of course, one of the big signings for the Scorchers in the off-season was the fact that their bowling stocks were significantly boosted uh, with the signing of exciting quick and former Australian international Holly Furling. Uh, the team are currently in Brisbane. They're playing at Allen Border Field against the Adelaide Strikers on Friday and that's where we find uh, Holly right now. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. What's it like up there? It's raining everywhere else. It was raining in Melbourne. Every time I turn the cricket, it's raining in, in uh, Tasmania. It even rained here in Perth when we had the WBBL match here. I hope it's not raining for the big match, and it is now a significant match on Friday. I was going to say that was part of the reason for moving west was that I'd be <laughs> avoiding all the all the east coast rain. But no, it, it got us on on the other day uh, against the against the Hobart Hurricanes. But no sunshine currently in Brisbane, and I've looked ahead at the forecast, and um, it's looking like we'll get both games on, which is which is really really good. It's just muggy. Yeah, <laughs> so hopefully a lot of swing for us. Yeah, but that's uh, that's your uh, basically your home patch up there, isn't it? Absolutely. And Allen Borderfields, where I played a lot of um, my state cricket early on in my career, the last couple of years, they've redeveloped the, the ground. So now there's lights and we can have nighttime games, which I haven't played there um, at night. So it'll be interesting to see how the, how the pitch plays and kind of how the outfield kind of feels as well. It looked like... Um, a bit of dew and, and everything as, as the temperature starts to drop. So, no, we're, we're really excited to get going. What brought you here? I know you know uh, some of the players that already were playing here at the Perth Scorchers. You've known them on your, on your cricket travels. But realistically, what was the reason that you decided to come west and play with your fourth BBL franchise? Yeah, I love playing at the Wacker. I think every fast bowler does. So I'm not going to lie, that was a massive draw card. But... Um, the club as a whole, the, the culture of, of the organisation at, at WA and then, and then also the Scorchers, it's been something that I've watched and admire from afar for, for quite some time. And even when I've been working um, in commentary as well, when you, when you watch the boys as, as well and how they go about their things, there's, there's just a, a real resilience about the team and a, and a real um, find a way to win type mentality um, across both the men and the women. 
Um, and that was something that I was really excited to, to be part of. Both, uh, you already mentioned that I've played alongside a lot of these girls before. Um, all of them spoke so positively about this group and um, I'm really excited that it's already living up to, mm. to those really high expectations. And let me also say they've come here and they've performed. You're talking about some of the players that you've played with and you know them well, like likes of Beth Mooney and Alana King and Lily Mills, certainly players that you know very well and I suppose they would have endorsed your move to come over here. Yeah, well, I, I hope so. They've um, it's been quite cool actually to to link up with them and um, all in different ways. Kingy, it's been a, a couple of years since we both played at the Melbourne Stars, and then um, Lillian Moons both through and through Queenslanders. So for us, it's in some respects, it's a bit of a homecoming for us to be mm. playing in Allen Waterfield, and particularly against the Brisbane Heat, a, a team that all of us have played for it at some time. So um, no, it, that'll be a, a massive matchup. They're they're going great and. The, um, I guess, a grand final rematch as well for our, our game on Friday is, is also a, a massive one as well. And you, you already mentioned in, in your opener that we, we lost that game to, to the Thunder. So we're, we're definitely looking to redeem ourselves. Mm. And Sophie Devine just missed out in the last couple of innings. I know she's one of the outstanding players in uh, the WBBL. Uh, she is a, a fantastic all-round cricketer. She'd be a bit dark with herself at the moment. No doubt she's hoping to return to form against Adelaide on Friday. Yeah, she she got a bit of an unlucky call against her, um, but which happens in in cricket. But um, I think actually think it's probably a bit of an ominous sign for for the strikers in the Brisbane Heat. The fact that she hasn't uh, capitalised on on any starts that she's had in the last couple of innings. She's a player that doesn't stay out of form or doesn't go without runs for very long. So um, I was bowling to her the other day in the nets and. Yeah, she's well and truly hitting it hard. So we're looking forward to seeing what she can do in that power play. I want to find out a bit more about you because this is the first time I've had a chat uh, to you here on radio and you know the media. We'll talk about the media in just uh, a ticket. One stage, I think we work for a, uh, the same organisation, uh, Macquarie Media. You, you're on the East Coast and me here on the West Coast. But we'll come to that in a moment. But you're a country lass. Uh, tell us about how you got involved in cricket. Did Dad have something to do with it? A little bit, yeah. I um, it's actually quite funny. I everyone always assumes that it's through your brother or, or something like that. And sure enough, I used to go along to my brother's club cricket trainings and bowl and see how many of the boys I could get out. But there wasn't any. I didn't see that girls were playing cricket, so I didn't think it was for me. Um, but I had a girl at touch football ask me to come trial for a team the next day and um, called my PE teacher. He said, "Yep, sure, go along." Um, and then sure enough, within two months, I, I'd made the state team. So. The way that things always happen in the country is that the touch football team is the netball team, which is the cricket team. So I, I was just there to play with some friends and um, found myself falling in love and, and found myself um, really enjoying and, and being, I guess, relatively good at a, a really uncoordinated action in bowling. And I, I do always say that I think the reason I was good at it is because I was completely unco as a kid as well. <laughs> So <laughs> I took to it like a duck to water. <laughs> Saying that, uh, I think you're 26 now, but as a 14-year-old, you probably get reminded every now and then, you know, I did a bit of homework, naturally, to find out a bit more about Holly Furling. And tell us about, you became a cricket sensation, certainly in that part of the world, as a 14-year-old. You secured a hat-trick in your, what, first three balls in a men's grade competition. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, no, it was. Um, and so, I, my, funnily enough, is that PE teacher again had been bugging my parents for so long to, to get me along to, to play men's cricket. And eventually, mum and dad caved. 
Uh, but they thought I'd just be there as a fielder, so none of them were there. <laughs> sure enough, took, took, took three wickets, had a top ball on the fourth ball, and then another wicket on the fifth ball. So uh, I think it's a four for none after my first over of men's cricket. I probably should have retired then and there. I was, <laughs> uh, some people were saying that, but then the other half of the team were throwing registration forms in my face going, you, you're good for the rest of the season, right? So, no, it was... Um, and typical country town, mum and dad found out uh, mum was grocery shopping and had a had a lady come up to her in the middle of the shop saying, your daughter's just taken a hat trick. So, <laughs> no. Um, and as, again, as it is, uh, another schoolmate of mine, her brother was part of the hat trick. So she thanked me endlessly that I've, I've got her something that, that she will always hold over him. Amazing. Amazing. And, of course, three years later, still as a teenager, you represented Australia, the Australian women's cricket team, in all three formats. And everybody now talks about specialists, whether it be T20, ODIs or test matches. You played the whole lot. Uh, did you find it taxing as a 17-year-old or you just couldn't play enough? I think that's where you're almost quite naive to, to a lot of it. Um, and you're just so excited to, to be involved in everything. Um, the schedule definitely doesn't look like it does now. Um, it's it's a lot more busy now, but yeah, it was a it was a really really cool period to be finishing year twelve with a bag of green somewhere in the in the cupboard and um, having the yeah the ODI and the T20 debuts as well. Um, for me, it was a, a bit of a dream come true when I finally started to see women's cricket on TV. You saw the likes of Elise Perry, and to be able to call her a teammate, uh, I, I just it it just blew my mind as a country mm. kid in the middle of Queensland. Um, it, it just didn't make sense that, that that was my life, if that makes sense. Yeah, And, of course, you've been successful in the media. You work for organisations like Fox and ABC and you've done stuff at Channel 7, of course, on radio as well. How did that materialise for you? Uh, again, just uh, another fluke and another thing that I've, I've just kind of walked into. Um, I have had a number of injuries uh, across my career and, um, actually had a, a, a kind of a friend of a friend invite me in to do a little bit of um, knew, knew that I was studying journalism and invited me in to do a little bit of work um, in the radio newsroom just to just to see what it's like and get a bit of work experience and again within a couple of months had myself a, a job there and um, the the commentary side of things um, I, I just really enjoy I'm so passionate about other people's stories. I, I get really interested about the person, not just the results and what happens on the field. Um, and you can get caught up in the, the tech, technical and the tactical, but um, what actually got that person there today? Why are they performing the way that they are? What have they done in the last week? And what have they done in the preseason even that, that's got them to where they are? That's the stuff that really lights me up. And mm. um, I, I hope that I can bring that to, to whatever coverage I'm on um, because there's, there's some really cool stories within women's cricket, but even in men's cricket, there's so many stories that haven't been shared yet. And um, no, I, I'm really lucky to do what I do to be able to juggle both. Um, it gives me a, sometimes it gives me a unique perspective on the field. I can actually start to take emotion out of the decisions that I'm making on the field and almost try and take that bird's eye commentator perspective and try and see different opportunities or see how a player's playing versus sometimes when you're on the field, everything's heightened and you're, you're just trying to think about what's happening next. You can actually take a step back and, and really take a breath and understand how the game's flowing. Talking to Holly Furling uh, from the Perth Scorchers, of course, who's represented Australia in all three formats of the game. A lot has been said about sponsorship, uh, Holly, uh, particularly in recent times. We know what's happened with Netball Australia, 
There's been even stories regarding Cricket Australia and particularly Pat Cummings' uh, stance on a particular sponsor associated with CA. And even, of course, here in Perth with the AFL side, the Fremantle Dockers. Now, you're a brand ambassador for a number of household brand names uh, to try and promote the game in women's sport. Have you always been a bit cautious of aligning your name with uh, maybe a particular brand that you weren't comfortable with? Yeah, I guess in, in my instance, I haven't had um, anything that that has contradicted, I guess, my values or um, my brand um, as a person as well. I think um, there's there's so much that goes into how you go about um, formulating, probably not the right word, but yes, I guess aligning and, and everything like that. And um, fortunately for me, I'm... I'm a girly girl from the country um, who loves to who loves to play cricket, so I'm very lucky with the, with the partners that I do have. But um, that alignment is is really important um, to whatever values it is, whether it be an organisation or, or athletes individually as well. Yeah, good stuff. All right, we're going to ask you a question about the big game on Friday in a moment. But before we go to that, the second last question: Bambi is a nickname. <laughs> to think that I've uh, outgrown that now. I, um, I used to be arms and legs everywhere. Um, I, I used to, again, I used to say that I was the most uncoordinated semi-professional athlete rolling around. So, um, no, I, I like to think that I've uh, grown into my limbs a little bit more and I've got a little bit more power and agility about me as opposed to slipping all over the place. <laughs> uh, good stuff. And, of course, uh, this week, an important game at Allen Borderfield. You mentioned you know it well. You'd be hoping to, to bowl well and, of course, get the Perth Scorchers in a winning position. How are you feeling and how are they coming out? Yeah, and no, I'm really pleased with, with where I'm at. I, um, I, I made a move to, to Canberra this year uh, to play with the ACT Meteors in the 50-over stuff. So I've done a lot of my pre-season there and um, working with some of the coaches there, it's, I've built a lot of confidence in that. Um, we've, To be honest, I've bowled a lot on a synthetic wicket, which... Um, it seems a bit odd. Uh, quite often we want to be on turf wickets, but um, at the same time in T20 cricket, they cut the grass that short on the pitch that it, it is pretty much like it's a it's an mm. absolute road. So um, I've been able to, to work on a couple of different variations and a couple of different things having to use those conditions in my favour. So um, no, I'm really pleased with, with how it's all going. And um, I, was, I was absolutely stoked to make my debut the other day against the Thunder. So I'm hoping I can keep making an impact um, for the Scorchers. Good on you, Holly. Lovely to have a chat. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, enjoy certainly the next couple of days building up to the game on Friday. And we wish you the best of luck. No, thank you so much. Good on you. There you go. One of the uh, brand new names and certainly a, a very, very outstanding cricketer in her own right. And that lady that's going to be, uh, when she does, maybe... Uh, give up cricket. You'll see her, of course, in the media. Holly Furling, who's we are talking about. Uh, very quick, fast bowler. Been doing it for a number of years and certainly a good acquisition to the WBBL side. It's 27 past five. You're with Peter Vlahos uh, and we're here driving you home. Thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre. Toolmart, your Complete Tool Centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. And just updating for tyre power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at tyre power. The netball is underway. Of course, the Australian Diamonds taking on England in the first of their test series uh, being played in Newcastle. A couple of minutes remaining in the third quarter. 
a close one. Australia 39, England 38. So we'll be right across that and discuss it more, of course, on the program tomorrow. All thanks to Tyre Power uh, bringing you the sports update. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres. Interesting that Fox Sports actually have put out a list of the favourites in relation to AFL coaches that are under pressure. And the top five, as far as Fox Sports are concerned, uh, their panel of so-called footy experts have listed as AFL coaches that are most under pressure going into the season next year are one Luke Beveridge of the Western Bulldogs, who's in the final year of his current deal. Uh, And we'll see what happens with the Bulldogs. Two is Ken Hinckley from Port Adelaide after missing out on the finals. Hinkley is contracted for next year, but they'll need to improve Port Adelaide. And I must admit, during the trade period, they've done very well. Three is Chris Fagan of the Brisbane Lions. Now, he's done wonders for the club in his six seasons in charge, but like many coaches at the top of this list, the bar is set very high, so we'll have to see what uh, Chris Fagan does, particularly with Josh Junk, uh, Dunkley. Uh, Jack Gunston, of course, recruited there through the trade period. Fourth is Matthew Nix of the Adelaide Crows. Like the West Coast Eagles, a massive support base in Adelaide. They've had a few bumps along the way, so I think they'll need to improve significantly next year. Uh, Nick's, of course, he's had, uh, what, three years there, and they finished 18th, 15th, and then 14th last year, so they'll need to improve. And at number five is Adam Simpson from the West Coast Eagles, and I suppose it's bizarre how quickly expectations fell through the floor for the Eagles after a finals appearance in 2021. But here we are after what was a disastrous 2022. Do you agree? Get on the temper of bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Or would you like to add another name to that list of maybe AFL coaches, according to Fox Sports, that are under most pressure heading into the next AFL season? Uh, 0487 736 736. Uh, love to hear from you. Go to it. Adam Simpson listed at five. Matthew Nix, Chris Fagan, Ken Hinckley. And at the top of the pile is Luke Beveridge of the Western Bulldogs. Now, Andrew Dillon at the moment, uh, and I think uh, he will succeed, Dylan McLaughlin as the new CEO of the AFL. He's the hot tip. He spoke today as the head of, of course, the, the football operations area. And he spoke about possibly doing away with the Medi-Sub next year and maybe having a five-man bench in 2023. It got discussed at the commission meeting last week and we'd gone out to the clubs um, during the finals and asked them about their view on medical sub versus a just a tactical sub versus five on the bench. Um, again, don't want to get ahead of where we are, but it, it suffice to say there's um, been some really interesting feedback on that. Okay, and you also spoke about, particularly regarding the concussion a subject that's raised its head again. As we know, the AFL has certainly changed the concussion protocol where now it is a minimum of 12 days uh, that you have to sit out if you are, uh, of course, assessed as incurring a concussion during an AFL game. This is what he had to say about that. What I want to make really clear is it's a, it's an 11-step program that has a minimum of 12 days. So if you follow the 11 steps... You can't be cleared earlier than 12 days, but if you don't, if you don't pass one of the steps along the ways, then the 12 days becomes longer. So the science behind the 11 steps is there. It just happens to 
become 12 days when you follow that science. Okay, and Gary Lyon, actually, uh, the breakfast host on SEN in Melbourne, said this regarding the concussion discussion that's been had around the AFL at the moment. I'm not saying you'll never get concussion out of the game. I'm, I'm happy to accept the inherent risks that come with, with playing a contact sport such as ours. The, the problem that we've got, the reason why we've got such a, an issue is that we have been lax in the way that we've legislated this in the past and the way that we've recovered from it. That, that's my issue. Now, where we sit right now, if we play to the letter of the law, and there are going to be isolated incidents every now and then, you know, Patrick Cripps got away. He did, and I didn't like it at all. I hated the fact that Patrick Cripps got away with it last year. But we are a much better place now to deal with this. But, and, but concussions will remain an issue, and I don't mind. Bumping, if you execute the bump in the right manner, I like that as a part of what we do as a game. You may not. I do, right? And I accept that there will be mistakes made every now and then and there will be concussions. We, we're never going to legislate in a competitive game such as ours concussion out of the game completely. We've got to try and mitigate it as best we can. That's where I'm coming from anyway. So Gary Lyon on SEN Breakfast in Melbourne this morning regarding concussion. Just briefly before we take a break and come back with Brett Phillips to talk everything in tennis, uh, Ange Postacoglu, who Alistair Clarkson spent a week with, uh, over the last few days, he admits it will take time and patience for Celtic to stand with the big clubs of Europe uh, following a one-all draw in the Champions League with Shakhtar Donetsk of the Ukraine last night at home at Parkhead. Celtic's European campaign will come to an end next week when they travel to Spain to take on uh, the Spanish giants Real Madrid at the Bernabeu Stadium. Now, regardless of the result in Spain, the Hoops will finish bottom of Group F meaning they will not only miss progressing to the Champions League knockout stages, but also have failed to secure a Europa League spot, which would have come by placing third in the group. So it was a pretty vital match last night. Rangers, by the way, who also will finish bottom of their group, are in Italy and take on Napoli, who are top of that group in a Champions League encounter tonight. And finally, Michael Hooper could be set for a surprise return in Australia's spring tour opening test against Scotland. We might do a bit on this tomorrow, actually, after making an impressive comeback to the Wallabies uh, fold. Uh, after withdrawing from Australia's Rugby Championship opening in August due to mental health concerns, the Wallabies' most capped captain returned to full training this week and could possibly line up for the Wallabies. Uh, he was expected to initially be eased back into action after being named in the 36-man touring squad, but insiders are saying that the tireless flanker is ready to go. And as I said, we may touch on that tomorrow on Drive. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, let's talk tennis with Brett Phillips here on SEN. Silma, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Welcome back to Drive with Peter Vlahos on this Wednesday. Great to have your company. Always like touching base with Brett Phillips. He's our SEN tennis correspondent and, of course, the host of The First Serve, a great program on Monday nights on the SEN network. It's good to have a couple of moments with Brett one-on-one here on The Drive program with Peter Vlahos, and he joins us now. Brett, thanks for your time. Always a pleasure, Pete. It never stops, does it, tennis? It keeps going 12 months a year. Well, I've got a laptop here. I'm watching uh, Playford in South Australia, uh, which is... uh, up around the Elizabeth area there in um, the northern part of Adelaide. We've got an ATP Challenger this week. We've got a, 
ITF Women's 60K. So a lot of the Aussies have uh, come home uh, for the Australian Pro Tour, but particularly this week where uh, the prize money is uh, significantly uh, better. So, yeah, I've got that on, and there's always a match going on. And then we've got Alex Demonor playing Holgeruna tonight. Uh, gee, a rematch of last week on the tour. They're going to meet in the first round of uh, Basel after um, they played in that semi-final on the tour and here we'll see if the Demon can uh, reverse that scoreline. Yep, good stuff. But let's kick it off with a couple of the major headlines in tennis this week. I, I mentioned it last night on the program. Now, where is Serena Ratt? Uh, she was in San Francisco the other day at one of her so-called companies and suggested that she isn't retired and there's every chance she may hit a tennis ball competitively again. What have you picked up since that announcement in San Fran? The mystery of the Williams. Hey? They've always left us with a bit of mystique uh, for a long time, uh, two decades plus. And, you know, she goes out with one of the biggest fanfares, New York, 23,000, incredible atmosphere on Arthur Ashe. Uh, you know, those all those three matches that she played were built up to be, you know, sort of Rocky coming out mm. uh, for a fight. It was, um, you know, all about the Serena show. And, and look, she definitively never said uh, that, that was it. She said the words, you know, I'm, I'm now ready to evolve away from tennis. So I suppose she did leave the door open. But, you know, we've gone through the whole farewell and goodbye. I know retirement in sport can be reversed. We've seen that many times. Um, but look, I, I think if she had a, you know, I think the thing that just, uh, and whether she'll admit it or not, but I think the thing that's just eating her away is that she's one shy of Margaret Court. She's hanging on to this uh, dream, Pete, that she can defy the odds at 41 and win a major. Um, and look, you know, she was much more competitive in New York uh, than she had been in the, the lead up weeks where she looked very scratchy and it was like, let's put a ruler through this, uh, time to move on. Um, but then she got spurred on a little bit. Maybe the crowd also helped her spur on to play some better tennis. But who knows? Who knows what's <laughs> going to happen? Interesting. Watch this space, as they say. Also watch this space regarding former women's world number one in Simona Halep. This is certainly a big story. And I know that Darren Cale, who took it to number one uh, in the WTA, in the women's uh, circuit, and he's been supportive of Simona. So is uh, Patrick uh, Mitrogalou, who's currently coaching her in the wake of this doping suspension, saying they've offered letters of support. Verbally, they've supported her. This is a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's one that you would never have um, suspected, you know, would have seen Simona Hallop uh, in this type of conversation. I mean, I, I was going back to some quotes, uh, Pete, that she said about Sharapova in... 2016, that and when she you know, she came back after 15 months, got that wild card into Stuttgart in 2017, and Simona was scathing of Sharapova, uh, just saying that no players who have tested positive for doping should be just given wild cards back in. You should be made to, you know, earn your spot again and start from scratch in the draw. And uh, she was really opinionated at the time. And here we are, you know, five years later, testing positive for a banned substance, um, and she's got. And look, you know, you take her on face value. She's got no idea how it's occurred. You know, you certainly respect the voice of Darren Cale, who's talked about her, her honour. Even her ex-husband, uh, that short marriage that she had, Pete, he's weighed in this week to say she's the most, um, you know, honourable, um, uh, above-the-line person you'd ever meet, uh, would never contemplate going down that, this sort of path. So, look, we know the process she's going to have to go through, provisionally suspended, how long that lasts, um, anyone's guess. We know these things don't always move. 
overly quickly. Uh, I suppose it'll bring into question just the the doping process as well. Uh, and the players are, you know, um, rigorously um, uh, tested at events, so they're they're very familiar with uh, all of this. And, and in fact, I think as Simona said to you know Darren Cale a couple of years ago, you know she wanted more testing um, done to make sure that um, you know everyone was clean. She wanted to play against clean athletes. So you wonder how these things sort of happen. But, you know, obviously the players take supplements, they take energy drinks, there's something slipped in that shouldn't have. Uh, we'll get to the bottom of it. But, I mean, certainly Simona Health's never given us any reason to suspect that, you know, she's never been a... Um, you know, a legitimate clean athlete. Yeah, uh, interesting. So we'll follow that very closely. Certainly one of my favourite players to watch. She's been a, a real trooper for many years, Simona Halep, yep. and played the sport in the right spirit, uh, a terrific player. Now, about this time last year, maybe a week or two post this time last year, the Novak Djokovic story leading the Australian Open started to filter through, and it was headline after headline. Will he come down? Won't he come down? He's not taking the jab. Of course, things have changed a bit in 12 months, but now he's again back in the headlines saying that he could make the Australian Open and a return to Melbourne Park as soon as next year. Yeah, we we suspect we're going to find out something probably by the end of November. That's sort of the timeline that I'm hearing, and obviously he needs this uh, three-year visa ban to be um, reversed. As you say, Pete, we're in a very different situation now. And you certainly understood all the backlash going back, uh, you know, about this time last year when, you know, we're in the depths of uh, the pandemic, particularly here in Melbourne, the most locked down city and people not being able to see loved ones and attend, um, you know, funerals and, and significant events. And it really did cut people to the core, no doubt. And then they see a, a top level sports person maybe being given special privileges to get in the country. So I think everyone now is just, Happy we're all living normally, touch wood. Let's probably get on with it. Yes, there'll be some doomsdays who will say that, you know, he falsely filled out, or, you know, the people around him falsely filled out some uh, some key things on the declaration forms to get in the country. Uh, look, you know, there were so many people who just stuffed it up, basically, mm. between the government, uh, you know, TA their part, and Novak playing his part. Uh, but I think with the change of government... And the fact that we are back to normal and people can just live their normal life, you know, should allow him back in the country. And I think we've just got to get on with it, in my view. But, yeah, all that to play out. Uh, the government, we know, will go at their pace and do all their due diligence. Uh, TA, I was at the launch a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Craig Tiley said that, you know, we really won't get involved unless we're required to supply some references, some character references, but otherwise it'll be between the government and Novak. Mm. And the other thing is, before we let you go... Brett, is the Davis Cup squad. Of course, I think our next opponent is France in the 2022 Davis Cup finals. And Nick has just said, no, I'm not quite available for this uh, tie. Yeah, look, it's a shame. I, I, I don't know how we quite win the Davis Cup without Kyrgios, but he hasn't played Davis Cup for quite uh, some time. And, and Leighton's history is that he will be loyal to those also who have you know, got Australia to this stage. So we started, of course, in Sydney in March. We go to Hamburg a few weeks ago. Um, you know, Kokonakis... Well, Demon Orders picks himself, so he's always got the uh, the tick there. Uh, but Kokonakis has played you know, two significant matches uh, this year where he's had to really uh, dig deep and show a bit of character. So I think he has earned his spot. They had left Kubler out, who won a match in, Camber- in Hamburg. And I think 
maybe they've trimmed the squad because obviously we're guaranteed to play a quarterfinal against the Netherlands, which is very winnable. And then obviously we may progress through to a semi. Ebden and Purcell, you know, picked themselves in the doubles. They've done enough this year to warrant that. Uh, but they've gone with the four-man team. So I've been trying to dig around today whether you know, a Kubler or uh, someone else will be part of that team as a, as a backup. Uh, but that's pretty much named an unchanged team. So, yeah, I think Australia's... I mean, we're not without a chance. Uh, anything can happen with the spirit that we play Davis Cup with. But if you're just looking for X Factor and to put the seal on it and take away the grind of it, you know, Kyrgios would be perfect. But he's, yeah. Yeah, he's not in that frame of mind. Particularly playing tennis at... In late November, it's never been Nick's forte, Pete. Uh, okay, and sorry, finally I wanted to touch on, I was watching the Guadalajara WTA tournament uh, that just finished at the weekend, and Jessica Bagula now is a top-ranked American player. As we know, her mum and dad uh, are very wealthy. Uh, in fact, uh, her father owns the Buffalo Bills uh, oh. in the NFL, and they also <laughs> own the ice hockey franchise out of Buffalo. She was born in Buffalo, I think she's earned yep. just over $5 million American in prize money in tennis. She took off the Guadalajara title. And, of course, there's always been this dialogue saying, why does she bother to play? You know, her family is so wealthy. But I give her, I give her juice. She's done the hard yards, and now all of a sudden success is coming her way. Yeah, well, she always wanted to go out and create her own identity. And you're right, she was part of a, a family owning two big NFL uh, sorry, two big American sporting uh, team franchises over there. They're worth uh, yeah, billions of dollars. But, Jessica, you know, she had a lot of injuries in the early part of her career, so she never really got going. Everyone sort of uh, knew the talent. Once she got the body right, she wanted to break away and just do her own thing and create her own um, identity and needs her own purpose in life. And no-one's made more quarterfinals in the last two years than Jessica Pagula. I never would have picked her as the world number three, I remember, you know, her breakout quarterfinal at the Australian Open two years ago. She came into that tournament ranked 64 in the world. So she has leapfrogged enormously. You know, still got some work. There is a fair gap still between Iga Sviantek is about 6,000 points clear yeah. as the world number one. And there's a big, big pack of Anjabur and Pagula and the rest who are all trying to get hold of Iga, which is proving to be the biggest task in tennis. But if Pagula can just add... Maybe a bit more firepower in the majors. Uh, who knows what can happen? But, I um, mean, she's just, you know, on the back of hard work, got some good results. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, and it has been good stuff. Great talking to you, Brett. We'll keep in touch here on Drive with Peter Vlahos, and uh, we appreciate your time here on SENWA. Anytime. Thank you, Pete. Brett Phillips, our tennis expert, joining us here on the program. Great to have him. And, of course, next time we'll speak about a West Australian lass who's really going great guns. She will play and represent Australia in the Billie Jean Cup. We're talking about Storm Sanders, who's now in the top 10 in the women's double. So we'll have a chat to Brett to preview the Billie Jean King Cup uh, in about a week or so. That's it for the program. Thanks for joining us here tonight. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 right here on SENWA. It's Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to our great sponsor, Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Thanks to Jimmy and thanks to Lee for helping with the program tonight.